Well, good morning to everyone. This, of course, is your favorite show this wonderful Saturday morning. And we're doing our community spotlight segment, something we're going to be doing once a month. And we have a guest for you this morning, Wendell Jean-Pierre of Dream City in Orlando, Florida. Your co-host, of course, is going to be the one who's going to be interviewing him. I think you're going to find it very, very informative, entertaining. So please, co-host. Well, here we are. It's another Saturday, and I believe you'll see Wendell in the picture. And Wendell, Wendell, I'm sorry. I have to get used to it. We have a relative named Wendell. So when I heard the name, I realized it's a Wendell. Uh, the name is like Alan, spelled many different ways. So, Wendell, uh, say hello to the folks. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to the Wendell Show. Oh, there, there you go. <laughs> hey, it's going to be his for the first 15 minutes. Uh, part of being in Central Florida, we have uh, a lot of density and a lot of people and a lot of diversity. One of the areas that is semi-well-known is Pine Hills area. And Colonial, which is a main road, it goes all the way from Tampa to the East Coast. It's State Road 50, called Colonial, generally going through uh, Orlando and a couple of the other towns. But as a city person, I just consider it 34th Street or something. So there's a place that had been opened. I wanted Wendell to tell us about it because uh, when you try and resurrect communities, I'm from Brooklyn originally. And Brooklyn has gone through 97 gentrifications, I think, at least at this point. In fact, the only thing we haven't regentrified is Prospect Park itself. So when we get back to redoing the grass, we'll figure it all out. Uh, I think he needs a new mic. That's because I need two mics. <laughs> That's right. He speaks for a whole community. There we go. So anyway, the point is that uh, like a lot of people, all of us who want to try and do something for this life we're living in and passing through. Uh, they built a place, they took a, a premises, they built it into something they called Dream City, which is a great encompassing name. I couldn't have thought of a better one myself. And, uh, you know, if you dream it, you can make it happen. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I'm going to ask them to tell us when they started, what they've been doing. It's an event center because you have to pay the bills. Right. So... Please, let me let you talk. So I stumbled across Dream City approximately two years ago. We've been at our current location for the last three years. And um, it was a place where, if I'm being completely honest with you guys, I had dreamed about when I was a kid. And it was a place where they taught financial literacy, they gave back to the community. It was founded on building the infrastructure of the community from the inside out. So instead of depending on the government and and the different various resources that come in, why not have it in-house and push it out? Um, one of the things that attracted me was the camaraderie and the <laughs> the family atmosphere. Right. Um, from the moment I got there, I felt so loved and so welcome. Until this day, I feel the same way. Um, everyone that I work with literally feels like my family, to the point where the leaders, they're like my mom and dad. Great. And you know, when you're in an environment where you can grow and you can build with people, um, you can bump heads and still love each other, that to me 
is where Dream City is more than a dream. You know, and at Dream City, we make dreams come true. And so I think that's to... great because if you go back to New York City, which uh -huh. has a, a never-ending history, even though it's only been around for X hundred years mm -hmm. versus the rest of the world, uh, people don't think about it. But when you think community, right. you think the local level where things happen, you know, where's your candy store? Where do you get your uh, food, the right. grocer, the bakery? Yeah. In fact, I keep laughing because our new treasury secretary, her name is Yellen. Uh -huh. Down the block from where I lived as a kid in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. there was Yellen's Bakery. Uh -huh. So I'm still not sure she's from New York. Maybe that's where you she got know. her original bread to sell. You never know. So anyway... Uh -huh. The churches, the synagogues, the rest of it, that was what the community had mm -hmm. that bound them together more than just the streets that they lived on. Right. So that's what I think he's really alluding to. Absolutely. So one of the things that I want to say, Wendell, I love the fact that you mentioned that you feel loved, that they decided to bring, you know, these types of educational things in-house, whether it's financial or otherwise so that the community could prosper. You know, historically, in black history, that's what blacks used to do. Right. They right. made their own businesses. They had their own communities. They were very successful. Right. And unfortunately, the political climate, you know, people who didn't want to see them succeed, destroyed, Absolutely. just literally yeah. destroyed everything, yeah. financial, uh, you know, housing, which is very, very sad. So I'm so happy to hear what you had to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and actually, historically, uh, which I like to go back to and repeat, not just in Africa, but in Asia as it grew thousands of years ago, they again bound together. In fact, till the recent past, right. they would put money into somebody's hands who'd hold it rather than a bank. Yeah. And then when somebody needed it, they'd help them get their house or their store. Yeah. So this is a, a, a tried-and-true way of doing things in community. Yeah. That, that method is actually still being practiced today on a lower level. Um, but it also shows that how your community, you know, uh, and I think we were having this conversation earlier, how it, it was always, it takes a village to raise a child. Right. Now it's not like that. We see how our communities and our society has uh, almost become desensitized, you know. Um, but one thing with Dream City is we... We try to bring that back as much as possible. Um, there's a spiritual component that um, I found there where um, when I when I first went there, I felt like I was dying spiritually almost, you know. Um, but being there has revitalized me. You know, it has taught me that I didn't know as much as I thought I did. And it's allowing me to learn and expand my mind mentally, physically, you know, spiritually. Mm -hmm. And it's allowing even financially for, for things to grow. And so the the opportunities there at Dream Cities are almost endless. You know, um, I've been a part of a lot of different organizations here in Central Florida. Um, and to me, this is the, the one. It's like a lifetime. Like, I don't see it ending. Uh, you know, I'm committed to. That's good. I'm committed to the vision. I'm committed to seeing it succeed like no matter what comes my way we're gonna fight and we're gonna fight to get it right well that interactivity and support yeah. has no upper limit on it right so as long as you take the strength and the advice and the rest of it yeah. and i've had many friends throughout the years that i've seen throughout the country mm -hmm. 
that built the business by helping other people start their businesses and maybe putting a little bit of money in it and then taking a share or two back. And then they retire as a millionaire when they become famous restaurants and everything else. So helping everybody has its benefit to yourself. Absolutely. So, Wendell, can you tell us a little bit more, can you break down a little bit more of what Dream City does, all the piece parts that they're doing for the community, whether it's for kids, adults, whatever the case might be? Sure. So, Dream City is an event center. We do all type of events. We do productions. We do fashion shows. We do stage plays. We do um, live entertainment. We do events. We do parties. We do weddings. The only thing we don't really do is funerals. You know, that's the only thing we really don't do, but we're not limited to doing it. Um, we just haven't had too many opportunities. Just, right. You know, whatever comes our way, we kind of focus on. Do they run any, uh, and, and I'm just asking because I don't know, any community things because they found out through any community mm-hmm. that, let's say, school's over, parents are working, do the kids get together and some elder member of the community or a few of them kind of babysit but also have recreational stuff for the so, kids? to try and get them or uh, teach them to do a, a child's play that they could put on for the parents. Yes. So about a year ago, before COVID, we um, had a performing arts center. Good. So we would have the kids come in. We would teach them dance. Right. We have a, a uh, instructor. Her name is Coach K. Uh, she goes by K Hustle. Um, she does amazing choreography. I mean, the girl is so talented. When you see her, she's mesmerizing. And she's actually the inspiration behind Dream City. Because she would go dance and record and do videos, her parents felt inspired to help her get to where she wants to go. And so they built Dream City. So because of one little girl, now so many other people are being impacted. You know, And you can find her at K Hustle on Instagram. Um, and so we also have another you know, gentleman. His name is Jeremiah Anderson. He's a, he's a playwright, a young playwright. Okay. We call him the next Tyler Perry. Okay. The next time. The boy is amazing. When he writes, he his gift is so beautiful. He, the way he tells a story, you can't help but follow him and go along for the ride. Right. So he actually has a play coming on um, the 20th of February. Oh, cool. And, uh, he actually wrote a like a parody uh, almost or in, it's the, an homage to uh, Friday, which is a, a well-known um, black movie. And so uh, that – he, he, along with another gentleman, um, Cartwood, uh, which is a YouTube sensation himself, they partnered up, they wrote the script, and they're giving people an opportunity to now do this. And, you know, recently, Tiny, who played Debo in the movie, passed away. So we're taking this time to pay, you know, homage to them and giving back Bernie Mac and so many others. But it's a good historical movie that, that, that everyone in the black community knows. You know, and so there's story after story after story. Sure. There's another gentleman who um, they literally uh, took off the streets, and he had a vision of becoming a chef. And so he is a lead chef at Dream Kitchen. Oh, good. You know, and so Dream City has its own in-house kitchen. You know, and so now this gentleman gets to live his dream. Does he do the kitchen? Do they put it out on the internet in case people wanted to watch it? Well, you know, we're getting ready to open up to the public. We haven't opened up just yet. But I'm telling you, when it opens up, that line for the chicken is going <laughs> is going to be wrapped around the corner. But you know, I think that's such a great idea because I'm one of those people who absolutely go crazy about finding black businesses to support. Right. I have never understood why people leave their community 
to go to Walmart yeah. and all these places and wonder why your community is failing. Yeah. When right there in your community, it may cost you five cents more. Who right. cares? You spend more just driving Absolutely. to these other locations. And if you really want them to take notice, yeah. you have to, I'd hate to use the word cripple them financially, mm -hmm. but you have to keep your money in house. So one of the questions that I have for you is, sure. so aside from the entertainment, do they do any, you mentioned financial uh, uh, teachings and stuff earlier in Dream City. Are they doing those kinds of things or is it strictly uh, in the level of the arts? No, we, we touch every base as possible. We actually just last week, we had um, two people who are a part of Dream City, another gentleman come mm -hmm. and teach a, a housing seminar. You know, like first home home buyer type thing, and so it a a plethora of knowledge. There's a plethora of people there who are in various industries, who work with the government, who work in real estate, who work in the finances, and so we're taking all these resources together and we're teaching each other. Um, there's a stigma in the black community that black people don't work well together, and we're out to dispel that. We're out to prove that wrong, and I, I can say successfully for the last three years we've been doing that. You know, we have our ups and downs like any um, of course. business. Um, but the one thing I can say, even with COVID, we, we're standing strong. You know, the doors of opportunity are swinging open right now. Um, you know, and, and I'm on the back end saying, hey, this is all the stuff we talked about. And it's happening right before our eyes. Well, myself and my alter ego, we've both served mm -hmm. and worked with Habitat for Humanity okay. in various places. She's even been on their board. I have run their teaching classes in everything from finance to plumbing. So if you guys ever really get into it and yeah. want some additional speakers, yeah. ring us up and we'll, we'll appear. Okay. Because uh, we know people have questions and want to know what to do. Yeah. So they don't fail at what they go forward with. Right. So. I do want to bring up one other thing, and I would encourage you, and certainly um, the young lady who runs all of this can tell you later on, but this issue of black people don't work well together, you know uh, what? They are a fantastic group right. of men who, by the way, one of them is married to my hairdresser. Uh -huh. And what they are doing in downtown Orlando, mm -hmm. not too far from the stadium, mm -hmm. they have literally bought up. These are, you know, they were college buddies. Right. I don't know the difference between sororities and whatever. Okay? Right. Whatever Fraternity. the men, Fraternity. Men, yeah. Fraternity. Whatever the men's part of it is. Yeah. And what they are doing and the restaurants mm -hmm. and, 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 and the work down there, you know that it's prime real estate. Yeah. COVID has made it easier, mm -hmm. but they have been buying up. And what she has done with her salon mm -hmm. in the middle of Orlando yeah. with all of these different people, these young people, and they're in their 30s, gotcha. had a vision from the time they were 20, got married, they grabbed three kids. Right. They've been working that vision. They've been working together as a group. I would encourage you to go and see what they're doing. Okay. Have them come and see what you're doing. Mesh yeah. what you're doing together yeah. because that is the way that we will succeed as a people and to hell with what everybody else says. I agree. And I encourage you to allow some of the people that you've mentioned, mm -hmm. some of the young people who are putting these plays together, please have them come here. We're more than happy to 
have them here, yeah. you know, interviewing them and talking and then getting other people even more interested. Absolutely. And actually for the community, that's why I said whatever we could do interacting, because I've seen this in a lot of places and helped with it. Some of the free things that you set up help develop the understanding of the place you've developed yeah. Yeah. so people get comfortable. And sometimes, you know, you, you don't want to drive the nuts, but you have a plate where they donate if they can afford it. Right. We've had restaurants in New York that have survived just on donations right. because people understand it costs to run it, right. so they're willing to donate if they have the money. Yes. So whatever can happen, and by the way, what uh, Wendell mentioned earlier, again, I love my history of mankind, uh, when it comes to music and... Uh, sound mm -hmm. and dance. Dance and sound are two of the oldest forms of communal expression. Absolutely. So they've just come forward. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the other things that um, Dream City loves to do is, is give back. So we've done clothing drives. We've done food drives. We've done um, giveaways. Um, you know, we've given small businesses an opportunity for them to grow, for them to learn. We've even done um, seminars and workshops where we allow them to come in and ask questions, you know, to uh, the founders who are, uh, they're astute business people. I mean, the owner, sometimes I sit in meetings or I hear him talking, I'm like, he's like the Michael Jordan of business. The way he thinks, uh, and his analytics and the way he breaks things, he's like he's a master teacher. Uh, and, and, you know, for me personally, over the last couple of years, I had been asking different people in the community to mentor me. And I couldn't find anybody to mentor me for whatever reason. And I asked him. And he thought about it, and he took, he took on the challenge. Now, I don't know. He might have been off just a little bit more than he could chew. But I think he could chew it because he's doing a good job. He's doing a great job. One of the things that I want to mention to you, because I do my research, mm -hmm. this thing with the... Um, the CARES Act, the uh -huh. PPP loans for businesses, mm -hmm. small businesses. Right. And I would love that you take this back to the organization. The money is there. What's the problem? It's not that they're not helping small businesses. It's that small businesses who are C-Core, S-Cores, LLCs, do not understand all the machinations that are needed. So when you go to apply for the loan, right. and it's only one to ten people in the business, mm -hmm. they're busy running it, but the all the filings that need to be mm -hmm. done, they don't know, so they get denied mm -hmm. for these loans. And then they, and, and there's frustration because it's like, well, you're not helping small businesses. No, it's that you don't understand all the piece parts. And I think that when we're teaching business, how to run a business. We got to teach all the other pieces. You right. got to file this paperwork. You have to make sure your taxes are filed. All of these things are needed. If you don't have it and you go to the SBA, guess what? Right. And because they're putting money out there, which I don't agree with all this putting money out there. I'm going to be honest with you. Because if you don't change some of the rules to make a small business work, mm -hmm. they're not going to work. So I just want to take send it back to you so that you can finish what you're saying. Yeah, let me just say that we will post the uh, uh, link if you want to get to Dream City. And I believe the website is dreamcity.com, right? Yes. Okay, so you can use that. And Wendell can maybe tell you where they're heading, what they're doing. They do have upcoming events. So our next event is a event that I'm actually uh, in charge of. It's a fashion show. It's called Drip the Runway. 
And I'm telling you, we've been rehearsing since November. This fashion show is going to blow Orlando away. Um, recently, I, I was thinking we need to, when you think about fashion, you think about New York, you think about California, you think about Paris, you think about Atlanta. You don't really think about Orlando. You may think about Miami, but not Orlando. And so instead of depending on those people to come and build it, um, I had a desire to build it myself. And so what I've been trying to do is connect with the different people who are in the fashion industry and say, hey, let's work together. There's some amazing talent in Orlando, models, designers, makeup artists, hairstylists, um, boutiques, so on and so on, so forth. And if we came together and pulled our resources together, we can make Orlando the hot spot. We can make it the new hot spot where we have people from New York traveling to Orlando, Florida for fashion events. And so the next show is called Drip the Runway. Um, this particular show is going to be based on entertainment, based on fashion, and based on success. Coming up February 6th, folks. That's next week. So, so if you don't have your tickets, go to uh, Eventbrite and go to Drip the Runway. I can tell you right now, tickets are selling fast. We are almost sold out. Um, we sold out our VIP three times. Um, there might be a spot or two open. You might want to go get your, no, you not, not might. You want to go get your ticket right now. Cause I guarantee you by the end of the week, that's it. Um, we're at capacity right now and we want to make sure that we stay in the, the, the guideline with COVID and the restrictions right. and, you know, make sure we provide a safe environment. We are taking temperatures at the door. Please make sure you wear your mask. If not, don't worry. We have masks available for a small fee of $3. So bring your mask, hand sanitizer, you know, social distancing. We're going to make sure everybody is safe. And let me just say, uh, being in Orlando enough years now and with uh, daughter and the rest of it, I've uh -huh. been to the shows that nobody knows exist yeah. in big warehouses around different parts of the city. Yeah. And not only do we have the largest university in the nation, mm -hmm. UCF, that teaches fashion and the rest, we have a university that teaches entertainment and fashion. Absolutely. I believe Full Sail covers Absolutely. all of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have all the goods. So, yeah. So Let me. We want to say thank you, uh, Wendell, for coming in again. The invitation is extended to have some of these young people that you're mentoring, that you're working with, that are doing some phenomenal stuff. Please have them come in Absolutely. so we can interview them, get to know them, and the audience can also get to know them. And no. if you have some clips from the show, okay. send it to our tech staff, and we'll see if we can put some in so people will see what they missed, okay. so they'll understand. He's not joking. We have some great talent around yeah, Orlando. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, we do. And so now we're going to our commercial, and then we'll start our show afterwards. So thank you so much, Wendell. Thank we you so much for having it. me, guys. I appreciate it. Great, right. thank you for coming. All right, drip the runway, February 6th. Be there. Well, I'm a drip. Six Sigma Consultant starts here. Maxit Services works with governmental officials and architects to ensure that your project's permitting, planning, and financing are correctly submitted so that your project comes in on time and in budget. So take it to the max. Maxit Services is your construction project liaison. 866 Six Sigma Consulting starts here. Hey, what's up, Chuck? You looking a bit frustrated. Is everything all right? Nah, man. 
My project just got pushed back four weeks. I'm having problems with zoning and variance issues. Oh, man, four weeks? That sucks. You should do what I did and take it to the max with Maxit Services, Inc. They offer services such as expediting permits, site planning, filing paperwork, a review of disaster recovery planning, and a host of other services that will help get your project up and running. So take it to the max. Maxit Services, Inc. 866-346-3. So we want to make sure that Alter Ego gets to put in. She does a lot of research and background. Not that I don't, but the bottom line is she's serious about what she talks about. So I'd like to throw it back to her so she can cover, because we uh, enjoyed having Wendell here, but I'm serious about interacting with Orlando more and more, and that's why she announced that we may have this monthly thing with community, because that's how we build up our world, period. Go ahead. Thank you so much. And I just want want to make a mention that when we talk about community spotlight segments, it could be anywhere in the country that we're going to be spotlighting because our audience is everywhere in the country. One of the first and outside. And, and outside the country. But we're really going to be making sure that we are spotlighting issues inside the U.S. at this time. Uh, I want to bring up some things that are happening politically. As you know, I'm a person who likes to do my research, likes to talk about things that may look to people like roadblocks. So we have this history of the filibuster rule, right? And you may wonder, you know, why do I hear this? And I always tell people, you gotta do your research, people. You've got phones and tablets. Why is it so difficult for you to go and search information? So the filibuster rule goes way back in our country. And if anybody remembers Aaron Burr, who actually killed Alexander Hamilton in a duel, and I say killed because that's how Alexander Hamilton's son died. He wanted to have kumbaya moments. He didn't want the violence. He told his son, you know, don't pull the gun. Well, if I'm in a duel, I do my 10 paces. I don't have a clue what you have in mind. I'm going to turn around and shoot because either you shoot me or I shoot you. It's the same thing that happened with the Alexander, I mean, the Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton duel. But what Burr did was change the way the Senate works, and he actually took away from the Senate what they used to call a previous question motion, which would have allowed the majority of lawmakers to end a debate in the Senate and force a vote on the bill. Well, guess what? This 18th century word, which used to be called filibuster, became filibuster as we know it, and has been used by segregationists over and over again to keep people of color from gaining any kind of uh, uh, equality. Uh, A famous senator that people might have known, South Carolina has these famous senators who are racist, most of them, Strom Thurmond. Strom Thurmond spent 24 hours and 18 minutes trying to stall the Civil Rights Act of 1957. That's what he did. And this has continued up to 
what we're seeing today. Woodrow Wilson in 1917 tried to get rid of it because he wanted to arm merchant ships against German U-boats during World War I. And because of the filibuster, the Senate stopped him from doing that. Imagine a protection of our own country and the Senate used the filibuster to block him. So just so you know how the filibuster is being used, try to think about that. If you want to get a cool little clue, James Stewart, who was an older, well-known actor, I believe the movie was Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Watch it and you'll see they really emphasize how they just about slept on the floor to keep talking to stop things from happening. So it was an interesting mechanism. Now go ahead. Who put the modern filibuster? So I would encourage people to read about it, but I do want to bring up a little fact of history. When we talk about the filibuster and we talk about this issue of the poison pill, um, believe it or not, Harry Reid of Nevada, because of the fact that the Senate Republicans refused to allow Barack Obama's cabinet post and federal judgeships to move forward, he actually introduced the nuclear option, but only to get cabinet appointments through, right? So it went from what it used to be to 51 votes. And by the way, it was voted 52 to 48. I do believe the Republicans knew that they were going to take that nuclear option and make it what it is today. You don't even need the votes at do, this point to get things through. Do not bring a weapon to a fight because you could drop it and the other person will use it. So, you know, the problem is, of course, Supreme Court nominations. If Harry Reid did that, he should have made it also for the Supreme Court nominations. Why? Because look at what Mitch McConnell has done. Whether they had 40 votes, 50 votes, it would not have mattered. They would have confirmed the 200 judges that we now have to deal with, who most of them are, as far as I'm concerned, criminals, they're Nazis, they're racist, and at all levels of the court system in the U.S., we're going to encounter a lot of problems. So please look that up. I want to talk about the vaccine, racial, and economic disparity, and I want to look at District 1 in Dallas. You will see uh, on the screen the little spot that we're talking about. Um, Texas another racist state, uh, didn't send the southern Dallas neighborhoods where many have died the vaccine, where most of them are vulnerable. The local council tried to vote that you had to at least make sure that the vaccine went to these neighborhoods, whether black or Hispanics, and all the whites went crazy because all of the wealthy white neighborhoods were getting them, and they didn't like to hear the issue of why should blacks get it. Imagine you're getting everything and you still have a problem with people who pay taxes, actually pay more than most of these other people. And the doctor who sat on that city council voted down, voted down the ability to get vaccine into these neighborhoods. Uh, moving forward, she was interviewed actually on uh, MSNBC and she claimed that they're trying to come up with a way to um, fairly 
get the vaccine out to District 1 in Dallas. This is happening all over the country. Florida is extremely good at giving 40,000 visitors, Brazil, Canada, out of state, other countries. They've been able to get the vaccine here in Florida. Most of us still can't get it who actually live and are citizens of the state because they didn't have a requirement for actually living here. And they're honoring those people who have already filed or are given an appointment to get the vaccine who are out of state residents. So check that out, people in, 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 uh, across the country. What's wrong with this freaking picture here? Why are we having these disparities with these with the COVID vaccine? So I just want you to think about that. And then I want to talk specifically to the black community. Farrakhan, who, by the way, I have no problems with Louis Farrakhan. Let me just put that out there because some of the things that he says are actually true. But what I don't like is he's telling blacks not to take the vaccine. It's the white man's death plan, he says. You know what? The majority of the people you see on TV are white people running to take the vaccine. And I know what has happened historically in America, how they've used blacks as guinea pigs, introduced infections that they didn't even know about. I get it. But this is a different scenario here. Let me quickly say, uh, since we had a guest this morning and uh, my older ego introduced that we're going to have at least once a month a community segment, which with or without a person, we're going to talk about things going on. Uh, first, thank you for all our normal people. Lisa, Mel, we're happy to see you're okay and online. Uh, we saw LaShonda who came on who knows the young man and some of our other ones who got on and didn't. Again, we post our podcasts on Facebook. So if you missed anything, go back. You'll see it. He works with the community. It's a place called Dream City. We're going to note it on our site. And yes, there's a lot of things going on and everything starts someplace. Uh, we're going to try and make these dreams grow. So as I continue about the vaccine, um, I just want people of color, uh, especially if you have elderly parents, young people, listen, please wear your mask. Please think about what you are doing to your family and your community. Farrakhan had cancer for a couple of years. And if he thought that all of these treatments are wrong, why did he take the white man's treatment for cancer treatment? And he came out safely. I say to you, the majority of the people that you see on TV clamoring and flying into the US, specifically Florida, for vaccine happen to be white. So take your cue from there, right? You certainly want to be protected. I want to talk about the insurgents getting away. You know, people, just because Trump is out doesn't mean that his fight and the fight of senators, Republican senators, House members, all the way to the 200 federal judges that were appointed by Trump and Mitch McConnell and the people sitting in the Supreme Court, that they're still not doing damage. Liberals, Democrats, independents, you cannot take your eyes off just because Biden won and 
he doesn't have the Senate the way he should have gotten it. And we lost eight seats in the House. You got to start thinking about the 74 million people who are still being used by Trump, who House Republicans are going to Mar-a-Lago Mar to strategize on how to take over in 2022. Please pay attention and pay attention to some of these rulings where some of these insurgents are getting away. I personally have no respect for Blue Lives Matter. The people who put Blue Lives Matter in have said absolutely nothing about two police officers murdered by their own when they tried to take over our country and get rid of democracy. And if you go online and you see what's going on with the playing with the stock market by some of these groups and how they're using it to recruit more racist, Nazi, anti-democratic followers, you gotta be careful. Liberals, you cannot sit on the win of Biden. You have to think about the fact that we gotta continue fighting. We should be mobilizing now to be able to make sure we don't lose anything in 2022, that we get Warnock back in and that we get other seats. Uh, one of the things that I wanna talk about, and go ahead. Well, let me just say that again, I'm glad to see some of our regulars are on, some of the new people. Lisa, as I said, if you didn't hear me, and Mel, good to have you on today and everything. And some of the others, if I didn't see the names pass by when I've been glancing around. Uh, Marjorie Green, this is what happens. You know, it, it's funny. It's like biblically. I point to uh, when the Israelis, way, way back before they were known as the Israelis, and there was an era way back in ancient history where they were saying, hey, everybody's got kings. Why can't we have kings? And God kind of said back, he says, oh, I'm not good enough for you. You need a king? You got me. Uh, and the idea was, you want kings? I'll give you kings. So he gave them Saul and David, you know, famous people. <clears throat> but they went through the period. It's like everybody wants to be like the Joneses. Let me just say this. If you want to, I'll give you a real basic thing of understanding religion and people. When people are at the bottom of the rung and they're out there begging for stuff, the old word was alms. A-L-M is usually the way they spell it when you see the word alms. You know, give me a donation. I need to survive and I'm begging in the streets. Well, to me, alms, and I will explain this carefully, is all lives matter, except for people who are out there and want to get rid of other people. It means they do not value life. You got this Ms. Green, who's in Congress now, and she is trying to provoke people to jump on her and start a fight. She wants to have more fights in the middle of Congress. She doesn't care. This is her idea. She's willing to get beaten up to provoke something. That's what she's doing. The best thing you can do with a person who's that disgusting is indifference. You walk past her like she's a goddamn window and you just brush her off with simple things of non-answers and censure her. Do the movement and get rid of her, period. And, and as the host is saying, it's interesting that Republicans are censuring, you know, McCain's widow and everybody that has gone against Trump 
They're censuring them. Democrats have never censured anybody. I actually didn't even know you could censure someone for exercising their First Amendment rights, right? We freedom of speech. We censured a few people in the last few years in the House of Representatives that were Democrats. But that was because of things that they did and they were expelled. Whether Again. It was, that was different. It wasn't because they were not supporting Trump or the president, that was not the reason why they were censured. As I said, the people who do not respect all life and think only what they think and only what they want is what counts, those are the ones that we don't respect. So I want to talk about something that is very important to me and it should be important to every Democrat, independent and liberal. We should not give a damn about what the Republicans want, period. Do what we need to do to get our agenda through end of story. So what I want to talk about is Civil War Pensions, which was America's first Social Security program, and I'm going to talk about Huey Long. You'll see their pictures come up in a moment. Social Security came into being in the United States in 1935. However, however, the first pension program was for Civil War soldiers, and it passed in 1776 prior to the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Why was that the case? Because the majority of the population after the Civil War, there were a lot of injured military people, there were a lot of orphan wives, I mean, wives who were left as widows, orphans. 1776, 1776. Okay, that was the Revolutionary this, War. Yes, the Declaration of Independence, okay. prior to the Declaration of Independence. Okay. 1776, that was the war. But it was invoked during the Civil War, the Civil which was in war, the 1800s? The Civil War pension program began shortly after the start of the war, with the first legislation in 1862, legislation, but they were giving it to them in 1776. So I just want everybody to think about that. Okay. In Thank 1776, you. the War of Independence, afterwards we had the Civil War. 1862 was when you first had the legislation passed, and it was benefits that were linked to disabilities incurred because of military duty. Right. Widows and orphans could receive pensions equal to the amount of that which were payable to those deceased soldiers. In 1906, old age was made a sufficient qualification for those benefits. So by 1910, Civil War veterans and their survivors enjoyed a program of disability. Survivors got all this money, over 90% of Civil War veterans were receiving benefits, and they constituted less than 0.6% of the total U.S. population at that time. But let me talk about Huey Long, who was governor of Louisiana from 1928 to 1932. By the way, he was a Democrat, loved by everyone in Louisiana, elected to the Senate in 1930. And what did he want? He wanted the government to confiscate the wealth of the nation's rich and privileged. <laughs> he called his program Share Our Wealth. 
and he called upon the federal government to guarantee every family in the nation a $5,000 annual income so they could at least meet their necessities in life. He proposed limiting private fortunes to $50 million, legacies to $5 million, and an annual income to $1 million. Everyone over age 60 would receive what they called an old age pension. He had a slogan called, Every Man Worth King. Guess what? The Share of Wealth program became a movement. Clubs were formed in every state. By 1935, the movement had 27 local clubs with 7.7 million members. Another famous person was the Townsend movement, Francis E. Townsend. He was a doctor from Long Beach, California, and in 1933, he was unemployed at the age of 66 with no savings and no possibility of employment. And he started talking about championing the cause of the elderly. And he devised a plan called the Townsend Old Age Revolving Pension Plan. The basic idea of the plan was that the government would provide a pension of $200 per month to every citizen age 60 and, and, and over. The pension would be funded by a 2% national sales tax. And there were only three requirements. You had to be retired, you had to be free of any type of criminality, and the money was gonna be spent within the US, right? This plan came into being in 1933, and in two years, they had 7,000 club members around the country, I'm sorry, 7,000 clubs with 2.2 million members actively working to make the plan work. By the way, with the passage of the Social Security Act of 1933, most of these alternate suspension programs disappeared. But the Townsend plan was around till 1950. And a lot of what you see in Social Security, a lot of the benefits, a lot of the rules actually came from the Townsend plan. This is the reason why you have to learn history. Stop trying to get rid of stuff Try to understand why we're here. Make it better. Don't get rid of it. So the idea that people heard in, the, let's say, just the last election from people like uh, uh, Yang when he was running in the Democratic primaries, he was talking about a basic amount of income to give to people. These ideas have been around. We've had smart people. Townsend was a doctor by education. And yet when he was broken out on the streets, he wanted to do something for all of the population. This is community again. This is where we all start, on the base where we live and moving out to everyone. And by the way, just so you know, in 1945, the House of Representatives, 179 members signed a discharge petition to force a vote on the Townsend plan where they wanted to get rid of it. They didn't even, there were 39 members short of the number needed to even consider the final version of the Townsend plan as a replacement to the social security system to show you how we started with social security. These two men, Huey Long 
and the most enduring one, Francis E. Townsend. Want to talk about Democrats, independents, liberals, please, you got to start mobilizing now because Trump and his party are mobilizing now. If you go on the internet, the disgusting things that they're saying about liberals, about Democrats, and, and putting fear in people, it's only getting worse. And the school systems around the country, and I experienced this in West Palm Beach, so I can tell you, helping my six-year-old nephew in class, the teachers are actually telling the students that the raid on our capital was the right thing to do, that they're only trying to take Trump out, who's the true leader of the country. This is what they're teaching six, seven, and eight-year-olds on Zoom calls. They are doing this across the country, their version of history. You got to be careful about what they're telling your children because these radicals who invaded our capital were doctors, lawyers, teachers. They weren't just all crappy, what do you call trashy people. A lot of them were educated people doing this. So be careful. Be careful, liberals. We need to mobilize. Let's start mobilizing. I want to see commercials by the Democrats talking about these people and denouncing them as traitors, fascists, murderers, whatever it takes. Don't allow them to continue framing the narrative as they've been doing for years with their propaganda machinery that's going on here. If we don't stand up and fight in four years, Trump, his family, or some other crazy asshole is going to take this country and bury it. Let me just say that what I've learned since I was a kid, and I always want to understand words, how they're used, and the rest of it, is people love throwing labels out to just put somebody down, not answer them. Uh, I, I had to understand when I was younger what was socialism, what was communism, what was capitalism. And let me just tell you, none of those things ever exist in the pure state. And they don't exist here because we want to keep our freedoms and we want to let everybody live. So what we do is when you have people who want to rant and put labels on people, say, okay, give me an example of what you think is wrong and what your answer is. If they can't give you the example and they can't give you an answer of what they would replace it, because I have been in charge of lots of people in my life, and one of the easiest things to do was to allow them to express themselves so they didn't feel that they weren't heard. And I said, okay, what don't you like? And they'd tell me, and I'd say, great. What are you going to replace it with? So if you're a kid and you hate getting a ham sandwich every day for lunch, and they say, well, I, I'm tired of eating ham sandwiches, and you tell them, well, that's the only thing I could afford, maybe they'll get the idea that they're at least being fed. So you got to get down to basics. What is your problem, and what would you replace it with? And I found 99% of the time, whatever people didn't like, for whatever reason, they couldn't come up with something better to replace it with. So learn to discuss things with anybody and everybody. Don't argue, discuss. So I want to talk about Mel B. Owners of, of Rouse's attended insurrection. Boycott. Yeah, we got to boycott them. 
Let me tell you something. We got to boycott businesses that have been supporting all of these Republican Nazis. I encourage everyone that's listening to this show. This is what I do. Go on the internet, look up the financial reporting of every one of the companies that you go out and buy products from. Look at where they're spending their money when it comes to politics. I can tell you the company I work for, 90% of their money in the past 12 years has been donated to the same Republican Party that is choking us, killing us, and really destroying our country. 90%. Little 10% that they gave to the Democratic Party was in small amounts of $2,000, $5,000. These are the companies you have to go after. Because if they continue supporting people like this, just so that their CEOs and the board of their directors and their so-called investors can continue getting money, there's something wrong here. This should be social responsibility. And I don't want to hear anything about, well, we donate to social causes. No, you're donating to people who will keep us down by their legislation, by their obstruction behavior, and by what just happened in Janu on January 6th. So please, please, please pay attention. Look, Mitch McConnell being the uh, character that he is and liking to have the power that he's had and not give it all away and make undermine whatever Chuck Schumer or the Democrats would want to do to straighten things out after an abysmal nothingness that we went through for four years. And when I say nothingness, nothingness for the people of America. Forget the rich, forget the judges, forget the power that they wanted to grab. McConnell made sure at the beginning of this trial for impeachment that he let Rand Paul speak, one other person, and then have a vote that the answer was, oh, hey, Mel, that's great interest. And by the way, one of our listeners just said Yui Long was her aunt's father. And I have to tell you, Having traveled a lot of places, there was a car out in Asia, a larger four-door sedan that was unusual in the Asian area, and on the back of its trunk in chrome, the model was that Huey Long spelled the way he spelled it, okay? So he was recognized in other parts of the world. And Matt Gates, he's another one. Let me just say this. We've got to concentrate on what people are doing not what they're saying, because delivery, things that count, things that are needed, that's what I'm all about. I will work with the damn devil if he does his part. If he doesn't, I will make sure he is thrown off a cliff. So, let's see, Mel, scientifically, it takes years to develop killed viral... Uh, oh, yes, the RM... I talked to one of my best doctors, who's a top-known urologist in the country, he also was a researcher and knows his chemistry. He also said, be careful if you've got issues because of certain things. I don't want to go into them because I don't know enough about it. So I want but to talk about you. Operation Fist. You'll see that military tank. You know, for people who talk about Black Lives Matter, you know, I'm sick and tired of people in this country, and, I, and they're predominantly white, say it, people in the suburbs, whatever the heck you want to say. I'm tired of them talking about violence with Black Lives Matter. Last time I checked, they didn't storm capitals. They didn't threaten governors, mayors, House of Representatives, senators, vice president, president. 
They didn't do any of that, okay? And this Operation Fist, Donald Trump brought that up because there was a uh, four-year-old kid, legend Tally Farrow, that was shot and killed on June 29th. And because of the George Floyd protest, he decided that he was going to arm all these cities with military gear, and he was going to send uh, the FBI, CIA, all these people, including the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. He deployed them, deployed them so that they could go to these cities supposedly to crack down on crime. No, he didn't want the protesters to exercise their First Amendment right, but it was okay for his Nazi followers to be able to exercise theirs with guns and intimidation and everything else. So he went to all of these states who didn't want him there, Albuquerque, Chicago, Baltimore, Philadelphia, Portland, Oregon, I mean, Cleveland, Detroit, and Milwaukee, Memphis, Tennessee. I love the fact that most of these locations are black areas. So he only wanted to make sure that he killed blacks, did whatever he needed to do. This he started with William Barr. And William Barr even lied about the amount of people they arrested. Some of them had warrants at the state level from 2019, had nothing to do with inciting riots, with nothing of the kind. But he used that as an intimidation point. You have got to remember, people, the level that this man will go through to incite and divide our country. Let me just say he picked on an old theme that after, after the Civil War, when Lincoln was assassinated and his vice president came in who had southern leanings that were too strong, what happened was all of the same people who didn't like that they lost the war started arresting people for poverty. If you didn't have money in your pocket, sending them into gangs and work things, they died in mines. I told you, the book is called Slavery by Another Name. It deals with the end of the Civil War up to recent. Now, once you get past that, what she was showing you, so that people know we from the military, that wasn't a tank. That was an armored vehicle that they use now. Usually they refer to them as MRAPs and stuff. There are different names for them. Tanks usually have those big metal treads and stuff and a bigger gun coming off the front. But what happened, Trump started allowing military weapons to go to the local police to use on the streets of America, again in cities where he didn't like the people, so that they could threaten the people with military might that the people couldn't fight back against. Joe Biden just reversed that where none of this military stuff goes to local domestic uses, okay? So it's a very important thing because Trump was arming people to use for insurrection in plain English. So I want to talk about before, we don't have a lot of time and I'm going to rush through this, but um, House Two Rep minutes. Representative uh, Bill 116-526, the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act of 2020. We have 135 civil rights organizations who oppose the bill. And the reason they oppose the bill is because we have already 50 terrorism-related statutes that are not 
being enforced, and the bill does not address specifically white nationalists and terrorists who are doing a lot of these things that we saw not just on the 6th of February, but they've been doing it for many, many years. So, you know, uh, the DOJ decided that they weren't going to prioritize white nationalist crimes. So when these bills come into play, and I understand why they oppose it, is communities of colors, poor communities, that they actually use this against, and then you end up with all these other people who are committing these crimes and are threatening mayors or whatever, nobody charges them the way they should be charged. Pay attention to some of these bills. I understand why the House wants to do it, but the language needs to be narrowed to address specifically the people who are actually committing these terrorist acts in the country. And they also need to start enforcing the 50-plus that's already there. I'm not a believer of constantly putting bills in place when you already have bills that you don't even exercise and enforce today. What's the use? You add one more to the layer that's already there? How about going back and using the ones that are there or tailoring bills that address specific issues? We're almost out of time, and I had a lot of stuff to talk about, but let me just say this. Next Saturday, I'm going to get into more of this, because before they start opening up the impeachment trial, which I hope the Democrats, with all the research I've seen that's going on, going to really present things that show what's going on, because already the die was set by the Republicans saying, hey, they rushed through, and this was Lindsey Graham, I believe, said it. They rushed through the House of Representatives and gave no evidence, which is bullshit. And so why are we allowing him to give evidence here? Well, we can remind him that we had all the evidence in the world in the House in the last impeachment. They wouldn't allow one witness in the Senate the last time so they could just rush it through and get him out. So we're now going to present the witnesses that are needed. So please, let me just say, Movements are important. Keeping them right is what we all care about. So, yes, we understand. The insurrectionists were white people who have no idea what they're even being driven toward. So, so Mel B., Black Lives Matter did nothing criminal, yet were arrested. Had those been black insurrectionists, they would have been killed. Absolutely. That has been repeated. But the thing to do is to bring out the ugliness of the people who attacked the Capitol and the crimes they committed, the beatings and the rest of it. Those are crimes. And anybody who was outside and didn't get inside were just as guilty because they went there to help. So they have thousands of people that they ought to put on the docket. I want to bring up something very important. Floridians, you live in Florida. DeSantis, another liar, is billing patients for testing and vaccine if they have insurance. The Pinellas County Health Department, you cannot request an appointment for your vaccine unless you fill out all this information about your insurance and money, etc. By the way, all the money and vaccine that him and Trump put aside for themselves and the money that they're stealing from us, why do we need this? While you can allow people from out of states to come in here 
and get vaccines that shouldn't be getting it. Just to wrap up, because I've got a lot I'll speak about next week that I couldn't get to today. Again, it'll be before the impeachment trial starts. But the bottom line is the money in the U.S. Treasury came out of the U.S. people. The money they're spending and using and the treatments that Trump got, which are out of the ordinary, and treatments that got to other people, I am not against developing an invoice and sending it to him and anybody else who privileged got the drugs that are not available to people who are dying. So have a great weekend. We're done. And I'll see you next Saturday, and we'll get into more of the details of what's been going on.